you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, I am giving away free signed books of your choice. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. And no matter when you listen to this episode, every month, my team and I will be going through the Apple Podcast reviews and randomly picking winners and reaching out to you and asking which book you want and who you want me to sign it to, and we'll send it directly to wherever you're at. So you can do it two ways. You can leave your Instagram handle on the Apple Podcast review, or you can message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole and just screenshot the Apple Podcast review and do it that way. And we'll go through the messages there on Instagram or on the Apple Podcast every month and randomly be picking winners. All right, let's get to today's guest. Her name is Nikki Bostwick. Nikki Bostwick is the founder and editor-in-chief of The Fullest and host of The Fullest Podcast. She has always been passionate about providing wellness content that offers a perspective outside the mainstream narrative, one that is holistic, diverse, and inclusive. Since launching, Nikki has grown the fullest to include a daily digital platform, a podcast, a botanical product line, and a wholesale business alongside her amazing team. She's been featured on Goop, Agent Notor, Sakara, and The Moon, and Branch Basics. Let's get to it. This is Nikki Bostwick's Art of Being Well. Nikki, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan and I'm really excited to share with you what I've been up to. 
My goodness, I know we're going to geek out about so many things within wellness that we've never talked about on the podcast before. I know people are going to eat this stuff up. But let's start with framing the conversation. How did you get into wellness? So I don't know much about your, your how you got in this space. I know the amazing work you're doing now, but how did it come to be? So I, just being Persian and growing up with a really strong connection to my culture, I was born and raised here in Southern California, but both my parents are 100% Iranian and my mom had a really strong connection to our culture. So she really instilled a lot of like traditional medicines and shared that with me, which is how like led to saffron and a lot of the different, you know, botanicals that I've been interested in and different rituals. But Basically, I kind of started with that. And then my parents, like, and this is kind of the story typically with immigrants, like they start to really get comfortable with the American lifestyle. And so as I grew up, it was less and less that like connection wasn't as important, I guess, and shared as much. But I then like fell into finding yoga because my parents just had like a really intense marriage. And I somehow my life led me to yoga and that helped me tremendously with everything from my eating disorder to just like my stress levels as a young teen and dealing with parents that are trying to go through a divorce but don't know how to navigate co-parenting. And so it wasn't until I, and there's so much drama obviously around Bikram yoga, but that's really like what changed my life was Bikram and I became obsessed. And then I later on got my teacher training in vinyasa. And then I went to culinary school for plant-based foods because that was kind of how I loved to eat. I don't eat just plant-based anymore, but it's just the foundation of my diet. And then I just kind of like, I just am a curious person. I love to learn. And so I would dive into every single book and I would just apply I was very type A. I'm a little less type A now because I just don't think I could handle all the things in my life if I wanted to like have control over everything. But at the time, I would just like read something and apply it, read something and apply it. And I loved it so much. And I mean, it got to the point where I feel like I totally became orthorexic. And then I went back to like finding balance and becoming a mother. I'm a mom of two has really helped me with my relationship with myself and just like having, you know, a little more, just inviting a little more chaos and, and with that sense, calm into my life and letting go. So I kind of just like found balance through motherhood, which is a topic I'm really passionate about. And I think that we're wellness to me, like, you know, your podcast is called Art of Being Well. It's just a journey. And for me, it was just a journey throughout every aspect of my life. Oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. And just that you found a grace and a rhythm that works for you. And I, I want to unpack a lot of the things you just said there. So go, let's go back first. To, what's the controversy with Bikram Yoga? I am so out of the loop. What's, oh, my what's gosh. The deal? So much. Like there's documentaries on it, podcasts on it. I haven't like totally dived deep because as you know, like when you're a content creator, it's just like you kind of just want to turn it off and not take in a bunch of content. But basically he would do these like crazy teacher trainings. And, you know, with a lot of things, I think people just like idolized him and women would idolize him. And then I think he like sexually assaulted a lot of women and convinced them, you know, that it was okay. And so it was just like this whole controversy with him. But I 
totally believe in his method and loved it. And it really helped me. But it was also my teacher, you know? Right. And like you said, the, the, the teacher that made Bikram Yoga didn't teach you. I mean, the method is, exactly. is I'm sure it has ancient and thousands of years worth of, of methodology to it. Yeah. 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 So the second bit I want to unpack here is thank you for sharing so openly about orthorexia. It's something that I see clinically a lot and I have to really bring a lot of grace and balance and context to simplify people's wellness journey. Cause I think there is so much information out there and content out there. And it's like what I lovingly call Dr. Google where it's great information. The democratization of information is wonderful. The decentralization of information is wonderful but sometimes it can really overwhelm the average person that's out there, let alone people that are in wellness like us. So can you maybe define orthorexia for people that are newer to what this is and what did it look like for you? Yeah. So for me specifically, orthorexia was the root of my orthorexic tendencies were this underlying, like not having this love for myself. And it kind of mirrored my bulimia. You know, it was just masked. I never really got to the root issues. Like I moved away. I grew up in Southern California. I lived in Oregon for college. And so I just thought I'm like out of my parents' home. You know, I'm out of whatever people like to say, you know, Southern California is really toxic for teens, whatever. So I felt like I found myself in a space where I thought I was being healthy by pursuing these things, but it was still the reason behind it wasn't necessarily to be well. I thought that it was, but it was really because I thought something was wrong with me. And that stemmed from, I mean, I'm all about like everything stemming from childhood and your ancestry and like whatever. So for me specifically, like when I was five, I would take Persian food to school and like no one wanted to sit next to me because I had like garlic yogurt in my lunchbox. And I didn't speak English because my parents were really wanting me to learn Farsi and they knew I would speak English later. So it was almost as if I like grew up in Iran basically, but then I went to school and they like, and so I was not able to speak the language. I, all the, these things. So I thought something was wrong with me. So that translated to my bulimia and later on my orthorexia, because I still thought something was wrong with me that I needed to fix and social media and everything just heightened that. So for me, I would, and then also I felt like this lack of control. And when you like, you know, early twenties are just like a really hard time. And I think a lot of people's lives, because maybe our cult as a culture, like if you're lucky enough, I guess, to go to college, then, you know, there's this sense of I'm going to work really, really hard and go to college. And then what do you do after college? It's just this you've worked all your life for education and then you just don't know what your job is going to be after. For me, I studied business. And so I was like, okay, cool. I have this like business background, but I know nothing about the business that I actually want to be in. So I felt like the stress, and this is with so many things in our lives, with depression, with a lot of things, it's really your lifestyle and the stress that goes into it. And so anyways, I found myself pursuing Like I was like raw, but then I was afraid of eating fruit because of the sugar and it was just, none of it made sense. But I, I applied the principles of all these different diets that it was like really pertaining to that one specific diet that might work for someone, but I applied all of them into my life because I became fearful of everything. And then it just like, didn't work. I actually, my body, you'd think that I would basically be anorexic because I barely 
felt like I could eat anything and I worked out so much, but my body was so inflamed and my thyroid like was just so screwed up. I didn't have a period. And I had, I actually weighed the most at that point in my life than when I was pregnant. It was so wild. Yeah. I never knew that that was even possible. I went to my doctor, Dr. Habib Sadegi. I don't know if you know him. And he was like, you need to take a step back and eat everything. Like forget everything you've learned. I need you to commit to eating bone broth and me, like, I just, I can't give you enough iron. Like, I don't care how many supplements you take, like you need to eat this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to give it all up. Like I can't, I got to the point where I was like, wow, I can't believe it got to the point where someone else had to tell me that, that I gave up my power over my own body. And that was the point where I realized that you know, it's amazing to work with functional medicine doctor. It's amazing to have someone to guide you. But again, like they're your guide and you really need to like step back and into your own power and trust your intuition and, and like know why you're doing what you're doing. And I, I just think most wellness culture is really around like, I mean, anti-aging is great. Like I love it, but it's like, all of these things are because we think something's wrong with us rather than just like really coming at it from this angle of Mm -hmm. this is like what nature intended for me, or this is beautiful. This gives me life. This is like life giving, not restricting. And I I think when you come from that space, the orthorexic tendencies start to go away because I think that's a symptom. You know, I Mm -hmm. think absolutely your life being out of control and you feeling like you're not good enough. And when you really resolve those like deep rooted issues, I really believe like orthorexia fades. I love that. Beautiful. Orthorexia for just to define people, it's, it's, it's a disordered eating around healthy foods that I see both sides of the coin with my clinic. Cause a lot of times people with autoimmunity have real reactions to foods so mm-hmm. that then there's this trauma around never wanting to have that flare up again. And then they end up whittling more and more foods out. We have to deal with the nervous system response and then obviously the gut issues and the inflammatory problems too. But it's such an important part. Or it could happen the other way around. Like you said, it's really born out of control and wanting to, there's no grace. And it's born out of this just not loving yourself. And that's really what the art of being well is all about. It's really to infuse grace and lightness back into wellness because I think it can sometimes be lost as to why we're even doing all of this, which I really think it's beautiful that you found that light again within your own health journey. Something else that I wanted to unpack that you said is I don't think that it's, I'm such a fan and um, lover, if you will, of Persian culture and what Persian culture has brought to the world. And it's underrepresented, certainly. And people don't realize how much Persian culture has impacted our world today. So what are some other traditional practices, or if you could kind of share with people that are maybe unaware of that fact of how magical the Persian culture is? Yeah. Like you mentioned, I think I, and I love, I'm a huge fan of Ayurveda, but I think there's a lot of similarity between traditional Persian medicine and culture and Ayurveda and the same kind of principles of like really understanding, like from an early age, they kind of teach you hot and cold foods. And it's not specifically about the temperature, right? But like, what's going to bring heat into your body, you know, like ginger and what's going to cool it down a lot. Like pomegranate is like a specific cooling 
food. So if you eat too much of this one thing, you kind of want to heat it up and kind of keep your, it's all about like keeping your body in balance. So at every meal, you know, a lot of people have probably been exposed to at some point, hopefully, if you haven't, you should like kebab and rice. And I don't eat meat. And that's the only meat I can have. Like my parents prepare it for me because I've never liked the texture or the taste of meat. But the way that it's traditionally prepared is with like saffron and onions and really beautifully made like tender and it like melts in your mouth. It's so amazing. But anyways, they put somak on saff on the it's somak is another spice and they put it on their rice and the kebab and it helps you digest the fat. So there's like everything has a purpose in their meals. And I just love that about so many cultures. It's not just our culture. It's every culture has that. Like when you look at different cultures that have kimchi or like all our culture, it's called something else, but there's like these fermented foods that play a role in helping you digest Mm -hmm. the food. It's not like we're popping a bunch of digestive enzymes every time you're eating. It's like that's coming from the food, but I, I'm a fan of both. Obviously, I just think it's easier to get it from the food because I don't want to like swallow 20 pills a day. And if you're able to transition your lifestyle to kind of eat this way and heal your gut, the way that they've eaten for thousands of years, this is mm-hmm. time tested. That's what I love so much. It's like when time tested approach to well being meets science, like that mm-hmm. is so juicy. I love it so much because it's we're finally able to prove why. And I think a lot of times we still don't get the why just through science. You just kind of have to have that like trust as well into Mm -hmm. this time-tested approach. But yeah, I mean, even like Persian culture, it goes back to the beginning of time, even human rights. Right now, if you live in LA, like the Getty has an amazing exhibit right now with like ancient Persia and you can go through and check it out. But human rights were like established back then that everyone has the right to their own sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And that's thousands of years ago we're talking. Whereas like in America, we just maybe like have kind of had that right for the last, I mean, women, how long have we had it? It's just decades only. Right. And right, maybe right. We have it still right. arguably I'm not sure, but yeah, there's, so many from the cultural aspect of human rights to just down to the food, down to the spices, the botanicals, other rituals are like things that I'm passionate about sharing with the fullest is facial steaming, pelvic steaming, post-pregnancy. But yeah, facial steaming when you're sick, you know, it really helps with the lungs, opening up the airways. It also is actually great even when you're not sick to support hydration of the skin for anti-aging, for rashes. There's just so many different ancient rituals that are incorporated on a monthly basis that can help support us. Because what I'm really passionate about is like using these rituals as prevention, because it's great to incorporate like when you are sick, but sometimes it's like, you know, it's gotten out of hand at that point. Yeah. And we live in a society and a culture where we're bombarded by toxins that aren't natural, by electromagnetic frequencies all day long. I mean, you and I are talking, there's Wi-Fi, there's so many things happening. So yes, that's not natural. And so that's also a reason why unnatural medications and things like make their way into certain people's lives because most people's lives, because like a lot of what we're doing is unnatural. But if we can get back to like shifting our 
day-to-day habits and incorporating what is more natural, then we can prevent more issues from happening. Even like traveling, I travel a lot typically. Um, Now with the kids, I've tried to travel less. And I notice like when we stay home, even when we're around other kids that are sick, or if I'm around someone that's sick, like I don't get sick. My children don't get sick, even though they're around kids with runny noses. But if we're on the go all the time, if we're on the airplane, all these things are happening, then of course we're run down, we're going to get sick. But preventatively, I think is where these rituals can really come into support people's lives in a more realistic way. Love it. And I want to go through each of these areas that you focused on with the fullest and the different rituals that people can bring into their life. Let's, uh, before we go there, I'm curious with your parents coming to the States from Iran, did they come before the Iranian revolution in 79 or after what was that journey like as coming to this country? So my dad, he came here before the revolution because he went to college in San Diego State. He was just like, I want to get out. My friend's going to America. I want to go. And then during the time he was here, the revolution happened. And his brother was married. So my uncle was married to my mom's sister, half-sister because my parents had an arranged marriage, which is why they were like set up to fail from the get-go. But basically he like moved back My mom's father was the head of the Iranian CIA. Is it the Shah's? The time of the Shah. So he was the Shah's right hand. And so he, the Shah said to him, like, you know, this revolution is real. It's happening. They want us out. Here's a ticket. Let's go to Spain. And he said, no, I'm not leaving my country. Like, if they don't want us, they don't want us. But I'm not leaving. I'm like here to fight till the end. And they ended up executing him. Wow. Yeah. So my mom was like 12 years old and she lost her father. Mm. And it was obviously the most tragic experience of her life because not only did she lose her father, but overnight they went from being like having everything, multiple homes. She had security guards, like their heads were chopped off. Like it was crazy. They had like warnings that would happen kind of throughout the last couple of years of my grandfather's life. But they went overnight. They took everything from my mom to the point where they just happened to not find an apartment, a one bedroom apartment in my grandmother's name that they went and lived in. And it was my mom and her two siblings and my grandmother living in a one bedroom apartment after like so much. So my mom went through this crazy traumatic experience and never dealt with it. And it totally mm-hmm. transferred onto yeah. me that we have an amazing relationship now. We've definitely gone through. I mean, when I was younger, we had a great relationship, but the last couple of years has been hard. But what's beautiful is like, I have my own daughter now and we've really like connected and we're committed to like that ancestral healing, which is really beautiful that my mom and I can do that together. It's really exciting, but it, she really compartmentalized that situation, married my dad, was married off to my dad essentially. Cause my grandmother was like, I don't know what to do with all these kids, you know? And so two years into it, they get married and she kind of just like, my dad took on that role of being her father figure and like let her, he was more American. He's like a very, very Americanized. Like I speak English with my dad. He's basically, he was here since he was 20. He's 60. So he's been here most of his life. Iran is like foreign to him. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's really cool because I get a lot of like business, my business knowledge and support from my dad, but my like products and like rituals and everything that I love is all from my mom. Like she helps us source our saffron. She really helps us kind of hone in on like the different botanicals and different rituals that we love. And it's really exciting for me. And I think it's um, really beautiful to heal these relationships. Mm -hmm. I really believe that boundaries are so important. And I have had to learn to set those boundaries because a lot of times when you're a child of war or really traumatic experiences, like you don't learn that. So I wasn't taught about boundaries from my parents and the culture is just like really interesting. It's all about family, no matter what, or just have to like sacrifice. And I really love that about a lot of cultures, but I also believe when we're talking about wellness and when something's not healthy and you just really need to take that moment to figure out what you need and because you're, you come first. And then for me, I know that I want that connection with my family. I know that I want that connection with my mother. I know what that means to birth human beings into this life. And so, yeah, I just feel like to anyone listening who might not have a relationship with their parents, it's worth if they're willing to go there, like making a request. I, I learned this on actually a podcast that I had with the owners of Cafe Gratitude, Matthew and Teresi. They they said to me, I wasn't talking to my mom actually. And they were like, how long is this going to go on? Like, you know, she made a mistake and you obviously have compassion for what she went through. And I, and they have this sort of framework, communication framework you can use. And so I forgot I can make a request. So I made a request to my mom and I said, listen, like this isn't working, but if you're willing to work through your childhood trauma, then like I'm right there with you and I'm going to work through like mine too. And we'll do it together. And that's like so powerful. And it might not happen. Like you might make a request and they might not be ready to go there and you might need to hold your boundary and hold it strong. Mm. But if you're willing to like go there, like that's really, really awesome too. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that something that I see again with patients is that's that's all I think about is <laughs> clinical yeah, stuff. Yeah. But the intergenerational trauma and the impact that has on our health today, we think we're somehow islands, but the reality is the lineage with which we came from, and especially if you're just talking about massive trauma like war and coming from parents who went through war and beheadings of the Iranian revolution, that's major. But then there's lots of other types of traumas that may look different for different people, but are still research shows it impacts methylation, impacts how hormones are expressed, how our brain expresses. If we could, by healing these intergenerational traumas, we could start to reclaim our health. Very totally. Like some people I've noticed just, I've been doing a lot of like biodynamic craniosacral therapy and the, my base of just like, I don't know what it's called, you know, just like my standard homeostasis. I had like low tremor. I think my mom had the same thing where I just feel like she's constantly like on a bunch of caffeine and she's not. vigilance, yeah. And I've noticed through this work that we're just both able to be so much more calm in our day-to-day life. And that, you know, I think stress, like we talked about from the beginning, mm-hmm. a lot of research has come out around antidepressants recently, like last month, especially yeah. with serotonin. And if these SSRIs are actually like, if serotonin is really what's helping with these antidepressants. And I really think lifestyle is like number one. And mm-hmm. I know how to calm our nervous system down to handle stress more is really what it comes down to. 
Absolutely. For people that are want to know about that research, we talked about it in the Ask Me Anything about the whole, the research that's coming out as far as serotonin and its impact on depression and how that's basically not shown by science, concretely at least. Anyways, let's talk about some different healing rituals within mentioned motherhood and uh, reclaiming your femininity as a catalyst in your own healing. And let's maybe shed some light on these topics so people can hopefully reclaim wellness in their own life. Something that I see clinically a lot, I'd like to know your perspective with some rituals, as you said. I think that's beautiful. Let's give the people some rituals for Let's start with cycle regulation. Someone that has irregular periods, heavy periods, maybe amenorrhea for months. What are some rituals that you found to be helpful? Okay, so we focus specifically, like our very first product was our saffron latte. And the reason is because saffron, not only because of the mental health benefits, and I can go on and on about that as well, but when it comes to like femininity, fertility, supporting PMS, all these things like saffron, there's so much research that shows the benefits that saffron has on our system. And specifically, I would say that the different ways that we incorporate it are we have like a very high dosage. So a lot of the research has shown that 30 milligrams of saffron is really that starting point of when it starts to support the body clinically. And most of the time, like if you're going to a Persian restaurant or going out to eat like Indian food, whatever, they're using such small doses because it takes so much saffron really to like get that medicinal dose. You have, for example, our saffron latte, there had to be 25 saffron flowers harvested for just one drink. And that dose though, that 30 milligram dose starts at five flowers is a traditional Chinese medicine dose to supporting your hormones with saffron. And so I always like to say, like you said, taking back, I don't know what you said. It was like, I don't know what I said either. Reclaiming your wellness. You're right. This is a state of agency over our health. Yeah. I love, I love, I love that. So people always ask, because I love just going back to what is it that my intuition is telling me? I think as a mother, as just a person that's trying to navigate their well-being, it's really going back to your intuition and not letting someone else break that down. I had recently a conversation where we're designed to break down each other's connection to our intuition, like on a day-to-day basis. And so it's really this idea of like reminding yourself that you know best, just listen. And saffron is just like this botanical, this spice that helps us kind of connect back. And the way that I think for women specifically to address those like different PMS issues, fertility is really incorporating a pelvic steaming practice. This Because I was, I did research before the show and my whole team wants to know about this as well. I know that it's used traditionally, but I'm excited for people to hear about it today. It's so amazing because it's so gentle. You know, you're just basically sitting over a pot of herbs, like you were making tea. And it's so wild how just that act and that ritual can support women. There was research that came out just one Um, sitting of just like doing one steam a month per 28 day cycle has supported women and supporting their hormone regularity, their mental health. There are so many things just by doing it one time a month. 
And we personally think that postpartum, you want to do it consecutively four or five days in a row to really help with those tender tissues. If you have an active infection, you can really use this to support you, but you only want to do it maximum 10 minutes. We've conducted a little some surveys asking women who have purchased these products from us to see how it's helped them. We had um, a woman specifically who's after she had had painful sex. Well, she didn't have painful sex, but afterwards she could not walk. She was basically almost bedridden for 10 days and she was put on antibiotics, even ozone, which I'm a huge fan of ozone therapy, but even ozone like was making it too raw for her There was just so many things that she's tried over the last decade of her life. So she's been with multiple partners through that time, just like a couple. She knows that that's not the issue. I convinced her to consecutively Yoni steam max 10 minutes. And she literally said to me, she was going to cry. She was like, this has been life changing. It's brought down the time of recovery from 10 days down to just three days when she did it just over a period of three days in a row. And I was just amazed because the level of like getting back quality of life and being able to work, I mean, it's unbelievable. And that's, you know, something that's really easy to measure, obviously, but I've personally incorporated this into my practice. I wish that I've done it since I was a little girl. I mean, that entered puberty. I believe that it's a way that we can not only help heal from these like different physical ailments that we have, but Mm -hmm. also that going back to that, like empowering ourselves, that connection to our intuition. It's almost like every time I get on the stool and steam, it's almost like I'm in the shower. I get my best ideas when I'm sitting and steaming because that's the reconnection to nature. We're connected with these herbs that have grown and on our land. And we don't get that. Oftentimes we like don't go outside. We sit on our computers. We're always on our phones when we're outside. Mm -hmm. We're not grounding. So like I'm really passionate about getting your feet into the earth, whether that's in the sand, if you live near the ocean or in the dirt, if you're on a trail or in the grass, but we don't typically do that. We go to the gym, we go to a yoga class. We're not touching the earth. So if we can incorporate these herbs into our lives, we're getting plant medicine. It's so amazing to get these messages from the earth, from the plants and incorporate them in and to know that they have like amazing, amazing results too. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not, It's gentle enough that like anyone can do. It's not like going to harm you. You're not taking these chemicals, but it's also powerful enough that it can completely change your life. And I personally, like this might be TMI. I don't wear tampons anymore. I am a huge fan of women allowing that blood to come out, to not stay stagnant in your body. And that combination of like, there's amazing brands that have like organic diapers. There's a company mm-hmm. called Rail, R-A-E-L, that just is a really awesome brand that I love. And that combination of steaming and using that yes. has been changing. Love that. So uh, let, let's talk about all of this because so much golden tips for people to, yeah. to use here. What are some of the other herbs that you use in the, the Yoni steam? Yeah, app? yeah. We have saffron in there for yeah. its benefits, but we have like, rose petals in there. We have other herbs like Podiarco. I don't know if you're really into oh, like- all Podiarco, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. People and want to get as nerdy as you can get here. So <laughs> powder right. arco, rose, rose petals. One thing I want to mention before I go into that is like, yes, this has been around for centuries, but I always felt like a lot of times, like when you go buy pelvic steaming herbs, yoni steaming herbs, whatever it's called, it's like really hard. You get this like huge bag and you're like, okay, what do I do with it? We formulated ours so that they're in single serving sachets. So it's like really easy to pour in that way. You don't have to measure anything. You just put it over a pot with some water, heat it up and then either kneel over it. Or if you have a stool, that's awesome. But we have red raspberry leaf. We have rose, we have dandelion, we have calendula, we have cat's claw, patiarco, like I mentioned, yarrow. Mm -hmm. And all of this is because of gentle monthly support to help conception and fertility. You know, you time it differently, specific like for fertility, you can steam like the day of or before ovulation. And so like it helps really cleanse the uterus and increase blood flow right before Mm -hmm. the egg is released. And then again, like postpartum, really helping with those tender tissues that have been stretched. But the reason we incorporated like these different ingredients is because some of them are, you know, like lavender, it's really calming. So if there's like this like inflammation and which is also what saffron really is known for, it's like Mm -hmm. 10, 20 times more of an anti-inflammatory than turmeric. We have like Again, raspberry leaf, that's been known to be supportive for women from even when you're pregnant, you know, you're taking infusions. It really helps our wombs. Love it. So it's a synergistic effect of these herbs. Great, great formulas, uh, thoughtful formulas. You mentioned, and by the way, there's no TMI on the, the show. This is a normal part of my job just to talk about menstrual cycles and bowel movements and just normal human stuff that okay, should be awesome. destigmatized. <laughs> we need to be talking about these things more often. But people are going to be curious about the not wearing tampons during your period. Yeah. So what's the reason for this? And you mentioned some pads or diapers that you'd wear during your period. So give some tips there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So again, like I mentioned, tampons, first off, like even if you're getting the best tampons, first off, they're really bad for the environment. Right. And then your blood is just like sitting there and that's your way to detox every single month. Like we're so lucky as women that we get to have this built in detox and it tells us so much about our body. So when you have a tampon, you also can't really understand like that well, the way that your blood is, you know, you really want to be able to like read your blood, just like we read our discharge. Like you really want to read, what is it? Is it clumpy? What color is it? It makes it more difficult when you're wearing a tampon and you just take it out and you're not even having to think about it, which sometimes, yes, you're on vacation, things come up, whatever. But for the most part, if we're able to take a step back, to take a moment for that period of time, in the month to really, again, tap into our intuition, look into what's happening to our bodies. This, our body, again, like I think we all know this by now, our body gives us messages. We get sick, all these things start happening because our body's giving us messages. We might not listen to it and then it gets worse and worse. So why not start with something that's built in? So yes, tampons, not only are they bad for the environment, they don't help us get like an accurate reading on what's really happening. And also like a lot of them are just soaked in bleach and formaldehyde. And like you get these, how do we make the cotton white? Like, what do you think is happening? It's getting bleached. And then you're soaking all of that up. And then it's really drying because there's other things that we're soaking up, not just blood. There's all this fluid and it's all meant to be flowing. And so 
ever since I stopped too, like if none of those are convincing enough for you, cramps. <laughs> you get way more cramps when you wear tampons than if you let the blood flow out. This has been researched. You can look it up. Your period lasts longer. So when you wear a pad or a diaper, your period is so much shorter. It doesn't need to last a whole week. Mine used to last us a whole week and I used to be bedridden. Like the second day of my period, I couldn't move. And my body has changed so much. It's so much shorter. It went from seven days down to four days. So when you think about that, you're like, oh my God, for seven whole days, how am I supposed to change my lifestyle? But then when you look at like, okay, maybe it's four days, it's like three days plus like one extra day, you know, that's like light. Then it's not that big of a deal if you're Mm -hmm. slowing down for just a few days, right? It's a big deal if you slow down for a whole week. On top of it, the reason I love my diapers over pads is because I still feel like overnight, it's just like, not always leaking. And so I really love that extra protection of not having to think about it. And it's more comfortable. It's organic. It's easy. Like I think pads rub around and it's just like so much more work. So what I like to do is like my heavier days, I wear my diaper and that's only the first like couple days or you can just wear overnight. And then the rest of the time, this company, it's called R-A-E-L is the name. Like they sell it at Target. But online, you can go online and they have reusable pads. And so those are great for like the lighter days and you can be more eco-friendly. Like that's the route. If you want to go that route, great. And if you don't, they have other options. But even like if you wear cups, those cups are kind of... cup is a brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the same concept. Like it's way better to just not have a foreign object up there and just let it flow you're going back to that idea of like intuition and don't steam when you're on your period. (laughs) Got it. Great, great tips. And we we need to think of a better word for women than diapers. I mean, unless you're fine with that word, fine. But it's like, it's like infantilizing for women. They need something more empowering. We need need to to come up with a better word. I forget (laughs) what they call it. I just say I'm wearing my diapers. My kids just (laughs) wear my diapers. (laughs) But yeah, for most women, it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so that is, I think, an incredible ritual that is now just coming into the limelight, which is so exciting. The Kardashians, Kourtney Kardashian went and got a Yoni steam to support her fertility recently. I, you know, I was talking to our finance and like support with like product development and our company as we go on to like raise. And they were like, are you sure you're going to go that route? And I was like, yes, like even Walmart sells pelvic steaming herbs at this point online. Yeah. Like this is a thing that's gone into the mainstream, but people just don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. And it's about to take off because women need to know that this is another hack, another mm-hmm. ancient ritual, another wellness hack that mm-hmm. we can incorporate to, like you said, regain that power back with mm-hmm. our intuition. Oh, I love it. Something I didn't want to skip over that you touched on that I, if you could talk about the exciting science, there's so much compelling evidence to show saffron as a mood booster and sort of yeah. this antidepressive effect. So can yeah. you educate people on what's, yeah. what's, what's the evidence show? Okay. So I, again, like this is time tested. So I have known about this ever since I was a little girl. I think the way my mom survived her dad's execution is literally by living off saffron. That's how I like know to mega dose saffron. But then I, when I went to culinary school for plant-based 
foods, I started getting into different botanicals and realized like no one's really talking about saffron. Everyone's all about turmeric. And I started getting into the research then because I knew the benefits and there's so much research. I have books on books of all this research that has come out of Iran and different countries that they've really gone to test the herb and the spice and find out that it's not only they've done studies comparing it to the leading name brand antidepressant and found that it was just as effective. The brand name was Prozac, but they did like the generic form of Prozac, which I think is fluoxetine or something like that. And they found that not only was it just as effective, but a lot of these medications take about six weeks to kick in and saffron works instantly to elevate mood. And that was really powerful research because whether you're thinking of getting on medication or not, there's now something that you can incorporate into your day-to-day life that might help you in the interim, that might help support. I have people that I know, people on my team that still, they've been on medication forever. They're trying to taper down, but they're still, they're using saffron as a way to support them on a day-to-day basis as they go on to do that or as they just taper down and you take a half dose. They're working with their physicians. My physician has used it to support so many people in getting off their medication. But again, what's so powerful about this research is, and it's really interesting with the new research that has come out around serotonin, because what's really happening is saffron is like, as we know, 90% of your serotonin is built in your gut. Mm-hmm. Saffron is really this major anti-inflammatory that's helping with inflammation of the gut and the brain. That gut-brain connection is so important. And I find it so interesting because the more you look into the research, the more you realize that it's also really beneficial for eye health. It's really beneficial for Alzheimer's. People are taking saffron instead of Alzheimer's medication. Mm-hmm. And what is that telling you? That's telling you that it's really doing something in the brain for inflammation in the brain, people who have IBS, people who are dealing with like chronic gut issues, their gut is getting healed from saffron. So what's really cool is like recently that information came out about SSRIs and are they, is depression actually based off of this idea that we have low serotonin? How do antidepressants actually work? And I think what's really interesting around that idea and what some doctors are saying are saying, like, don't ask, I don't know. It's, I mean, the research, I don't even want to get into that part, but like basically what's happening is saffron, it's acting as an adaptogen, right? So if you need that support of serotonin and dopamine, it's really helping the way it's helping you is by bringing in this like major anti-inflammatory effect that then heals your gut that then as a byproduct is increasing that serotonin, right? Right. It's really an all-encompassing heals all aspects of your body. But the major, major um, thing that I love to focus on, like I said to you, I'm really passionate about motherhood. I'm really passionate about self-care as a tool for healthcare and mental health. I think when we take care of ourselves, our mood shifts. And when you have this like this drink that you could take that's really healing for you because of the dosage in there. You know, we're talking about 150 milligrams saffron. All the research is done on 30 milligrams. So it's five times that medicinal dose. It's bioavailable. It's giving you that support immediately. We have it in capsule form. So we also offer pharmaceutical grade saffron that all these claims have been made on, which is really cool. It's 30 milligrams. It's called Kinder Thoughts. And we have combined it with 
curcumin. And I love that because then some people who are like, you know, I specifically am wanting it for this thing. I want the pharmaceutical grade one. They have something that they can use. But I always think like capsules are really hard to digest. Like these aren't you know, difficult capsules are just vegetable cellulose. But still at the end of the day, most of us have chronic like gut issues and you still have to digest the capsule. So having that drink, I think is like the cream of the crop because yeah. it goes straight into your body. You don't technically have to digest it. Your body's absorbing it and you get the mm-hmm. benefits like right away. I, love I that. think one who has those gut issues, like that's the way to go. For sure. Plus, you're getting it in such a delicious form when you have a saffron latte, latte right? Yeah. It's like a, yeah. a beautiful ritual that people love their lattes. This is a yeah. medic- medicinal latte. Yeah. And it's caffeine free. Some people add it to their coffee, but you don't need coffee because again, like coffee, the way coffee works is it's a stimulant. It's amazing, but it's a stimulant. That's how it helps with your concentration. But Saffron does the opposite effect. It's actually, I forgot to mention this, a lot of research has been done around saffron and helping with ADD. It helps concentration. But the way that it helps concentration is it's calming down our nervous system. So then we're really able to focus. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It helps you sleep, all sorts of things. So I'm really passionate about caring about those benefits. And with motherhood, I think a lot of times there's these like hormone, obviously we know postpartum is a really tough period for moms. Not only are your hormones out of whack, but then you're taking care of a baby. And that's really how it started was I was postpartum with my son and I was drinking the latte, like as I was formulating it. And I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) And then I found out about this woman who, you know, ended up committing suicide. And it's a really sad story. Her children out of LA, she ended up killing them and herself and because of postpartum and you know it wasn't addressed and i just really think that we need to be aware of this in our society and if there's something that we can support moms with like even if they're not going through postpartum they don't know like this is a way that women can support themselves during that really tender time right it's so isolating for for mom for new moms uh, you're absolutely right. I'm glad we're having this conversation. So any new mom that's out there, a new mom-to-be, or you know a new mom, like share this episode, like give them a lifeline. And these are tools that they could bring in their life and not be so isolated. All right, my friend, I could talk to you forever about this. As you I know, am. the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This is Nikki Bostwick's Art of Being Well. I'm going to go right into your favorite things. We've been talking about all your favorite things throughout this episode, but I want to pick your brain about a few other topics. Are you up for this challenge? Totally up. Yeah. Okay, Perfect. The question number one, what is a healthy food, but it's the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat it because it's so good for you, but it's purely on health benefits, not the taste? Oh my gosh. I would say, and this is just me, but I egg yolk. <laughs> All right. So why do you like egg yolk? I mean, I, I love egg yolks too, but what, what are some of the reasons why you love it? Oh, choline. I mean, it's really helps your hormones. And as someone who's plant-based, like I need the extra mm-hmm. choline and DHA that's found in egg yolks. Yep. It's one of the nature's multivitamins for sure. Especially, yeah. you're right. People that are more plant-based, it's a great source of that. That is a vegetarian source of these foods, food medicines. Next question. Do you think we're better or worse off with social media? Gosh, it's such a tough question. I think I'm better off with it. I, the way I use it, I love the way I use it. I find like your information, right? 
I think it just depends on who you follow at the end of the day. If you're using social media to learn more about things that can enhance your life, Mm -hmm. that's great. But if you're using it in a way where it just revalidates the story that you tell yourself that something's wrong with you, then Mm -hmm. we're screwed. Yep. Well said. What's your favorite tip to get a great night's sleep. If you're if someone's struggling with falling asleep, staying asleep, what's what's your go-to tool? Okay, obviously I'm going to plug in the saffron latte cuz it's so good, but other than that, just like don't watch TV before sleep and try not to be on your phone. If you have trouble sleeping like that, blue light is definitely going to screw things up for you. Love it. What's your favorite not necessarily a health food, but maybe a better for you snack food? Do you have any go-tos for that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I have so many. Okay. So one thing that I love, I love to like recreate things that maybe someone like used to like eating. So I love the real coconut tortillas Okay. and I like them. I'm going to give this tip, you guys. I'll eat Siete if it's there and that's the alternative offered. But the real coconut is organic cassava and cassava is sprayed with pesticides and Siete has not been able to share that theirs is not sprayed. So be careful because a lot of times, like my worry is that we take all of this time and money spending it on these alternative foods that are great alternatives. But again, like what's the difference if that's being sprayed and then the other stuff is being sprayed, you're just spending more money thinking that it's healthier. So really look and make sure your stuff is organic because the worst thing for your gut and your brain and our environment is these things that are being sprayed and it's making its way into our health food. Like almonds are a big one. I love almonds. I've kind of stayed away from them because I ate too many of them. Now I have an allergy, but if they're not organic, just stay away. It's like just as bad as eating, you know, non-organic flour. Mm-hmm. Good tips. Great Not tips. <laughs> Love it. So I have to say before we go, I know that you share my posts about alcohol and it, it yeah. gets people talking. People, it's a hot button topic for sure. People get irritated when I post the research in the scientific journals showing pretty much definitively that there's yeah. no a healthy amount of alcohol. It's a neurotoxin. So st- Tell me about that. What are your thoughts on this? And what kind of feedback do you get when you share this research? Okay, it's really funny because I'm such a purist. So my friends get super annoyed, (laughs) but I'm like, I'm still having fun. I'm still going out. I have a special drink that I drink. It's sparkling water with muddled lime and mint and bartenders or anyone. They're always happy to make it for me because it's just like a mojito without the alcohol and all the extra sugar. Sounds amazing. So I think that's what I call my special water. I really think that I love when you share these posts because like we go through such great extent, right? To take care of ourselves and not that, you know, people have a different definition of balance. Everyone wants to have their own definition. That's fine. Do you? But like, to me, why would I go through like such great extent to then like poison my body with alcohol? Like I don't need to poison my gut and my liver and all my entire body and destroy like my hormones just because of, I don't even want one sip. Like to me, it doesn't, it's not worth it. It doesn't even taste that good. Like I swear it's, it's the joke on me. Like it, I just want to know, do people actually think alcohol tastes good? I've always wondered because it never has tasted good to me. It tastes like shit. So I'm like, it's the joke on me, but basically 
I also like as a mom, I just feel like I don't need to drink alcohol. I want to be sober for my kids. And someone gave this tip to me recently because my husband does drink very minimally though, but he used to drink a lot. I mean, we met in high school, so we've had our fair share of drinking. And someone said to me, even whether it's alcohol or weed or even like something like microdosing on mushrooms, if you're in the house with your kids, make sure one of you is completely sober because mm-hmm. your children energetically can feel if you're yes. not in your body. So yeah. regardless, like if we're at home, you're the only parent, you're drinking your wine, like your children can feel that the energy is different. And yeah. maybe for you, it's your way to like calm down from the day, but find something else, find a different ritual to that because your children will end up feeling out of body themselves. We're all connected. And so we need someone to be grounded in the house. And if it's not for your body, like do it for them or do it for that sense of like wanting your children to know what it's like to be grounded. Great tip. Great tip. You're right. I I absolutely have seen patients like just studying human behavior over the years and talking to people about these sort of things that kids feel unsafe energetically. And I talk to them as adults and tell me they feel, they felt this in their body and their parents didn't know any better or maybe they did, but. I just want to add one other thing about it. It's like we've normalized that it's not normal to drink every night and like not everyone does it, but like that's the other thing with social media. People tend to share more when they've had a drink and like when they're going out on, you know, you're going out on a trip or you're doing stuff. So then other people think that you're constantly living this life of like going on trips and drinking and doing that when it's not like normal to do. And let's not forget that most of the world is like grinding, you know, really hard hustling and like not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think of so much of our culture, it's, it's to numb and distract. And this is just another example of what we're kind of trained to do, but to go inwards, to heal, to really look at our intentions as to why we're doing these things. I think there's so much healthier ways to, to handle stress. If that's stress, or if you're dealing with low grade anxiety or social awkwardness or toxic relationship, like deal with those things that you need to heal. Totally. Oh my God. One of my favorite memes of yours is like the one that you shared. You're like the real flex is having your hormones. Like, I don't know what exactly you shared, but I was like, yes, this is the real flex. Yeah. I said it was like the real form of self-care is not your bubble baths and glass of wine. It's like having a life that you don't have to run away from. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. So last question, what is a book that you've read in the last year that's really inspired you, got you thinking in a, in a fresh new way? It could be fiction or nonfiction. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I don't read. I have a one-year-old. So I every new, every new parent says that, by the way, you're not alone. Every new parent's like, uh, good night, moon. <laughs> it's like some- I know, exactly. Like I, we just got the Smokey the Bear novel. So <laughs> that's like really inspiring. Um, no, I mean, one go-to that I love and for any new mom out there, Your Baby, Your Way from Jennifer Marjulis. She's an investigative journalist. And through her experience of becoming a mother, she then went and investigated just the whole birth industry. It's really powerful. What I love about it is that it empowers you to make your own decisions. She's not shaming you. She's giving you the facts, the information, and you get to decide. I never knew before Jennifer Marjulis that we have major, major like 
what is that? It's like worse than heroin. It starts with an F. Fentanyl? Fentanyl. Thank you. So I never knew until Jennifer Marjola said there's fentanyl in epidurals. Mm. And it really was life-changing for me. I never wanted an epidural. It ended up being part of my birth story for my first. And, you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. But I had a home birth with my daughter um, last year and it was the most empowering experience of my life. And I, again, like my family member, he passed away from fentanyl last year. It was a horrible experience for all of us, you know, to know what happened. And that is making its way into our birth stories and our children are being imprinted. They come into this life having that in their bodies. So it's imprinted in them. So when they go on to get older, if it gets into, you know, their weed or it gets laced with something, if they happen to try it for the first time, if they don't overdose on it, if they don't die, they go on to like feel that that's that feeling that they were always looking for because it's imprinted in them from the get-go. So if we can reframe what it means to you know, I think, yes, like I think access to this sort of medicine, like a lot of women say women need access to pain medicine. Women need access to this stuff because yes, it's our own decision, but to know what's in that Mm -hmm. maybe is even more empowering to then like look to alternatives. There are so many other pain management methods that Mm -hmm. you can partake in and learn about for Mm -hmm. birth and I urge you to look into it because it's an epidemic that has become an epidemic ever since they started putting it in epidurals in the 80s and 90s. And that's a huge reason why we have a huge opioid epidemic because we're then over-medicating these children or they're getting access to parents' medications they try and it feels like home. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why it feels like home. There's so wow. many reasons, but there's this is one reason. And anyway, so you're a baby your way. And if you're a new mom or if you're even if you're not, it's a really powerful book. I really urge everyone to read it. My goodness, that is powerful. I have to definitely read that. And like you said, it's it, informed consent requires information. And mm-hmm. you, that way you can make an educated choice for you. Yeah, Certainly. exactly. Yeah. I had no idea. I wish I knew, but obviously you're in a situation where you're like, Give me the, (laughs) give me the drugs. Oh yeah. No shame. No shame whatsoever. But yeah, we have to be informed on what we're, what we're going through and what, you know, what choices we have in those situations. All right, my friend, where can people go? Where can people go to, to learn about all your things? All right, go to thefullest.com. You can sign up. We have a weekly newsletter. We come out with a lot of awesome content. We have resources on thefullest.com from city guides to all sorts of like wellness, non-toxic resources for everyday life. I have a podcast as well, The Fullest Podcast. It's found on YouTube and other you know major podcast networks. And um, you can follow us on social media at The Fullest Co. Again, our products are also on thefullest.com and Goop and different platforms. And then if you want to follow me personally, because I'm like really outspoken at Nikki Bostwick, I share a lot of alternative outspoken information personally, but like, you know, the fullest is the toned down version. My friend, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me again. I'm a huge fan. It's so special to chat with you. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode. 
Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.